How's it going, everybody? TGO Radio, and uh, today we're going to be changing up the format a little bit. So uh, every single week, we usually talk about news and and uh, the video games that we've been playing, and it's not going to stray too far from that, but we're going to do something a little different. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Kato Sepp. Hello, Kato. Hey, how's it going? Extremely well, and I'm excited to, uh, to do today's show because we're going to be talking about how do we choose the video games that we play. Uh, I have I have posited this to the community at large as a, as a mailbag question for TGO Daily, um, but I'm also thinking, hey, let's explore it here today because there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this. We you know so many different situations and and uh, life environments that people may may be in, and I think it's interesting to look at this uh, this question of okay, well, there's so many video games out there in the world. There's there's you know thousands and thousands of really high quality games. How do we just decide on the one that we're gonna play? Uh, and and why do we have to make that decision in the first place as well? That's an important question. Um, because so I can't play multiple games at the same time. <laughs> as much as I I would love to and have tried, I cannot. Is that true? So, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump into we it then, because I leave I, that up to you. I was going to ask you that. So the, you know, this is a, a big thing because for me personally, I actually can't just play one game. I have to play multiple at once. And oftentimes they, uh, and I'll talk about this more, but they kind of fall into these slots, right? Like this game is perfect for this situation of my life or whatever it is, or, or this part of my life that I'm in. Um, and it's, I, I've never been able to be like, as much as I wanted to, I've never been able to be like, I'm going to play The Witcher 3 and that's it for the next couple of weeks. I can't do it. That's fair. I didn't mean it like the exact same time, yeah. but, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I... I've switched over from that too. I used to be very much focused on one game at a time. I mean, unless I was like hanging out with friends, then I would play something different. But when I was sitting down by myself to play video games, I played one game just straight through and I would not play anything else until I reached the ending of that game. Um, and I think the more my library has increased and my ability to procure video games uh, has increased, I have definitely strayed from that. <laughs> and these days, it's actually way more rare for me to reach the ending of a game. But I'm trying to be better about it. Yeah, yeah, that's been a that's been a big thing for me as well, especially with uh, with things like the Xbox Game Pass. And, and similar to you, like as I was playing games longer and as I had more money available to me growing up and, and whatnot, uh, the library just expanded. So now it wasn't even just a question of how do we choose what game to play that exists in the whole world, but also how do I choose what game to play that I just own? Uh, and, you know, there's the inevitable topic of like, hey, we have a really long backlog and, and that's a that's a very common thing. How do I choose the game that's in my backlog that I want to play? Um, I think it's it's a little unhealthy to think of games as a backlog, right, as, as something that needs to be cleared out like a gutter. Um, but, yeah, it, it's worth tackling this this question of like, OK, we have all these games available to us. What are the factors that go into we need one or we need a few that we're going to focus on or is even that uh, a bad way of thinking about it and should we instead just pivot to just do whatever you want anytime you want that probably is the answer right but uh, i know a lot of people struggle with this question i mean there is a balance there if you know sometimes people will just kind of you know do whatever they want do whatever they feel like and it causes a sense of burnout and a lack of um a lack of any kind of attachment so I do think there is something that should be balanced. We shouldn't just be like all impulse all the time, or at least, you know, I don't think that's healthy for everybody. Um, obviously, there's some level of, you know, everybody is different in this yeah. conversation. But I know for me, 
I actually have been trying to finish games more often because when I do just get bored and switch to something else, it makes these games feel more disposable to me. And I don't like that feeling. So I, I have been trying to like actually finish a game and really critically think about it and, you know, not just immediately jump onto the next one. Yeah, I, I have a similar thing. I, I don't know. It's been an interesting balance for me because I would I would get into a game and then when I'm 10 hours in, um, I'm at a point usually with these games, unless it has really, really captured me that I'm like, okay, the core gameplay loop has established itself and I've been doing it for 10 hours over and over. Uh, unless that core gameplay loop is extremely good, I'm probably not going to stick around because I've seen what the game has to offer. Um, however, I'm kind of similar to you where I, I move away and then I'm like, well, that sucks because I've lost the ending of the story or, you know, the artistic intent of the creator or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. That's that's pretty unfortunate from my end. Yeah, I mean, if a game does get boring and that is absolutely an issue, right? Like, at what point do you walk away from a bad game? Because I'm, I'm not in any way advocating, oh, you should finish every single game no matter how terrible it is. Like, no, absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> but I know one thing I would do is I would play a game that I really liked and then would just be like, oh, I should try this new thing because I want to try new things all the time. Newer is always better. And then I would pass up on games that I actually do really like. Like, um, you know, last week I was talking about playing Wandersong, um, and I really liked that game, but I still found myself thinking like, oh man, I really feel like playing, um, actually at the moment it was a Sherlock Holmes game. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, no, I like Wandersong. Like go back, play that one. Then I can play something else. Um, you know, see where that actually goes. Yeah. And, and I've been happy for doing that. It is a really great game. I love that. And everyone should play it. There you go. Um, okay, so let's let's answer this question then, and maybe you know, we're, there's a, a whole bunch of different things we can take this, but I, I'm sure both of us are kind of driven by one or a couple of things when it comes to just saying, what is the game that I'm gonna play? Right, we're mm -hmm. sitting down, we have the list in front of us. What are the what are the biggest things that you kind of take into consideration when it comes to choosing the one or few? Yeah, so we talked about this earlier in the week that we were gonna gonna tackle this topic, and I have been trying to think about it because it is really. It's a really complicated question, right? I don't think for anybody it's a really simple question yeah. of, like, what do you look for next? Oh, I look for the next highest number in the series I'm playing, I guess. Like, <clears throat> we jump around all over the place, um, or at least I do. Uh, and I, I feel like my tastes tend to be more eclectic than most people's. Yeah. So trying to nail down what actually guides me towards something is really difficult to answer. Um I do think I go more for um, unique experiences. Mm. I, I tend to steer more away. Like the older I get, um, I steer away from games that are trying to do the same thing that other games have done, but better. Um, which means that a lot of times I don't necessarily play the AAA experiences as much. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just they are trying to improve upon a formula that has already been established nine times out of 10. Um, so I, I, I find myself going a lot more towards indie games, something that looks unique, uh, different. Okay. So that's, that's like the overarching thing, right? Where you've got the kind of this idea, this, this general approach to how, okay. But then that, that even just that, right. Unique indie games is like another 
hundreds and hundreds of games probably that are in your library right, right now. So once now you're presented with that list, how are you going to nail it down again? <laughs> it's fair. Um, I And there's like, uh, there's some level of, of uh, mental state, right? Establishing our mental state. Mm. Um, I know that's something that I've been dealing with a lot in the last couple months, just because everything has been really crazy for me in my, my personal life. Um, I have been having to go towards games that help me actually relax and, and chill out. Um, because otherwise I'm just getting way too stressed and freaked out. Um, so actually, you know, after just saying that all that about indie games and AAA, I've been playing a lot of Skyrim recently <laughs> <laughs> because, because Skyrim is one of those games that I can just shut my brain off. I've played Elder Scrolls games for, um, probably two decades now. Um, close actually yeah 18 years i've been playing elder scrolls games so i can pretty easily shut my brain off when i start playing those and just kind of wander around um and and that's been really helpful but stuff like stardew valley um i'm thinking about jumping into uh, my life at portia i portia. still don't portia okay i still don't remember if it's portia or portia but uh Porsche seems more right, to be honest. Well, um, let, let's stick on this Skyrim thing for a second, because I think there's there's something yeah. to be said for, like, how do you choose what game to play? You kind of don't. You just go to the thing mm -hmm. that you're familiar with, right? In, in times of stress and in times of, yeah, um, there there's it's something that I've been doing, right? I, I, I've talked about it a lot. I'm playing Skate 3, and this is a game that I played a lot as a teenager and is very familiar to me and comfortable, and it feels very fun to just explore like just to just to skate around and um and having that comfort during times of really extreme stress of writing an essay um has been that was like an easy choice i saw it i was like done you know i don't even have to think about it that took the stress out of selecting a game for me and i think that's a that's a go-to for a lot of people for sure yeah congrats on finishing your essay by the way oh thank you, <laughs> you know, you've been talking about it on the podcast and tgo for a while and it's finally done, man. Yeah, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at a point where uh, I have, like, a couple of major projects still to do before the end of the year, but they're so much easier than the essay that I'm just like, this is a breeze. It's no problem. Whereas if the essay never existed, I would be freaking out. So, <laughs> um, yep. So are uh, you sticking with Skate 3 now that, that that major load has been lifted? It's kind of there because, well, and this is another thing that kind of goes into it for me. It's a, it's a weird one, but, like, achievements, right? Um, yeah. in my youth, I was a big achievement hunter and I would never not play a game based on the achievements. Uh, but, uh, depending on how long I played a game, I w that's, that's what the achievements would be there for. Um, for example, I recently finished up a hundred percent at SpongeBob SquarePants battle for bikini bottom rehydrated. Uh, that was a game that, thank you. Uh, that was a game that the two of us got a review codes for like yeah. a while ago. It was, it was, was it pre-pandemic even, uh, Oh, no, no, it would have been it? in the summer. It would have been in the summer. After, yeah. But um, anyway, that was a game that was just kind of installed on my machine for the longest time because I wanted to finish the achievements. And then once I finally did that, you know, that's how I decided to play that game. I was like, okay, let's just get the achievements and then we can we can finish up with that. Because uh, that, that's to me, it feels unfinished, you know? If, if I know yeah. that there's just a few more things to do and then I'm going to 100% it, then if I were to uninstall it, I would not feel satisfied. I just want to throw out there for, for listeners, like... You know, Adrian and I often talk about what we're playing, well, whether on the podcast or just randomly. Um, we'll just be like, oh, I'm playing this thing and it's really cool. Just out of the blue, like in the middle of some day, <laughs> I just get a message from Adrian in Discord. I 100%ed SpongeBob SquarePants, which we had not talked about since we reviewed it. <laughs> I was like, 
what have you been working on this like all this time has this been just been a thing you've been doing for months at this point no i i had actually just like <laughs> kept it like not playing it for a really long time and it was almost like a guilt like i saw it there in my library and i was like ah uh, not today and then the one day that i did it i was like that's it i'm cranking it out i spent like three hours just getting all of the stupid golden spatulas and the socks and uh one of them ended up getting glitched so i had to like look up how to like no clip out of the world in order to get something and like it was a whole thing anyway um wow so, that's yeah. dedication though yeah you, you the game broke and you were like i'm gonna yeah. break it more and get this achievement anyway that's always the way it's been for achievements for me i think that's one of the interesting things about them is like like Sometimes they just go really well and you get them all and it's fine, right? The Telltale games are like that. Uh, you just play the game and you get all the achievements. But then sometimes mm -hmm. either it's glitched or it's really hard and you're like, okay, time to dedicate my life to this. And you do. And, mm -hmm. and then once you finally get to the end of that, that is the most satisfying uh, achievements to get. Um, but, yeah. you know, not, not everybody has patience for that. I used to be, uh, back in the day, I was part of a site called True Achievements. Yep. And I think, yeah, they're still up, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but their whole thing was they would take the achievement points from your account and they would, uh, use, use their algorithm based on the number of people who owned a game versus the number of people who had that achievement to, uh, scale that score. And that was your true achievement score. Yep. So if there's an achievement in a game that's maybe not worth as many points it's worth like 10 gamer points, but only 0.1% of people have it it might be actually in true achievements worth quite a bit more than some others. Um, and they had a, they, I don't know if they're still doing this, but they used to run a contest. So people would get in teams of four or five or something, and it would calculate every week, how many uh, true achievement points they got that week. Yep. Um, yeah. And then the lowest team would be booted out of the contest. Um, and I used, I, I actually did that a couple years and so I actually went out and got games that I had no interest in ever playing just for the true achievement score. There you go. So, like, I've got Sonic the Fighters um, and got all the achievements in that. Uh, Terminator Salvation for the 360. Yeah, that was you would game. never play. But I would now never that, play. Now, so here's another. There's, like, kind of this outside... Um, uh influence of like in this case it's mm -hmm. a, it's achievements but sometimes it's hey my friends are playing this game or mm -hmm. either some kind of reward for playing this game sometimes xbox does their own contests of like get some xbox points if you play this game you know hey there's a game that mm -hmm. i can play it, it kind of gives you that um the 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 option that you should play in that case yeah i i almost actually i didn't 100 i was going to 100 connectimals <laughs> purely for that wow i just want to yeah. I, I i recommend anybody who doesn't know what that means or, or like doesn't know how painful that is to see if you can find videos of connectimals and just imagine spending like 30 or 40 hours with this game there you it's, go it's uh oof. so uh oof. anyway let's to loop all of that back that's why i've continued <laughs> yeah. playing skate 3 because i noticed that there was a few achievements that i had not gotten in my youth and uh or you know younger youth and um i was like okay let's pick up kind of the easier ones that i can keep playing so i i've been playing it as like a you know sound off game while shelby reads her book or something like that just just kind of a game in passing um mm -hmm. otherwise after i finished my essay i was like i got time now i'm gonna play devil may cry 5 or something you know some yeah, other yeah. game that i really wanted to play turns out i actually can't play devil may cry 5 um oh. there's this weird thing happening with the game pass where i used to have it installed 
because it was available through the Game Pass, and then uh, it came off of Game Pass, but I was still able to play the game. And then I tried to boot it up again, and then it was like, sorry, you don't own this game. And I was like, well, that sucks. I just started the campaign, and then all of a sudden I couldn't play the game. It was weird. So that choice was made for me. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. Boom, um, Microsoft. Game Pass canceled. <laughs> um, let's. Here's another good. This is a, a good question that you raised. Um, how our perspectives on what we play change over time, right? In my in as a teenager, for me, uh, achievements was a big part of it. Uh, cost mm. was a big part of it. Um, I had money, but I hated spending my money. Uh, it, it was it was a big thing for me. I grew up not poor, but like not very. You know, we we scrapped. We were very scrappy. And, um, and so when it came to video games, it was like, if I was buying a game, this was a game I intended to play for a long time. Skyrim, Skate, uh, any sports games, like, you know, games that are highly repetitive, GTA V, games that you can play constantly and, and not get tired of. Um, whereas these days, I'm, I'm more similar to you. Cost is less of an issue. Also, because I have things like the Game Pass or like a huge library that I've never touched um, and just acquired over time. And so the selection process comes less from the stores that are selling them and more towards, okay, what's the unique experience that I'm going to get out of this? And subsequently, way less time. Uh, you know, I don't have the time to go for those achievements as much as I used to or to finish the 80-hour JRPG that I used to. Um, so that's kind of how it's, how it's evolved over time. I would imagine you're similar. Oh yeah. Yeah. There has been like an absolute, um, what's the, what's the mathematical term? I've had it all week and now I forgot it, but, uh, reverse correlation between cost and time, um, or like, you know, the amount of money we have. Um, cause yeah, in college I was like just scrambling for anything I could get high school. Same thing. Like uh, most of the games I played, it was because uh, either I got it for like Christmas or something or a friend of mine had it. Yeah. I would play a lot of games just because my friends had it and that I never would have touched otherwise. I've played a lot of very weird games because my friends had very eclectic tastes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, now I have generally money is I'm not I'm not like super rich or anything. I don't want to give that impression. But like I usually I mean, if we I can really want a game, I can we can what? see your shelf behind you like you're Yeah. Like we have we have stuff. Generally, yeah. if I want to buy a game, I can. Yeah. It's not really the issue, but I don't have the time to play it half the time. I'm working all the time. Um, you know, my wife's we're, we're having a child. <laughs> my wife's pregnant. Um, I that absolutely sucks time. And I imagine it's going to suck a whole lot more once that kid comes. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and this yeah, is a so money doesn't go ahead, become go the issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, and. And just games are a lot cheaper. Like, honestly, if you are a PC gamer, like, you can get games for nothing. Uh, Humble Bundle has boosted my Steam library massively. And they're they're good games. Epic yeah. is giving away free games every week. Um, you know, really high-quality stuff. But, yeah, my, my Steam library is up to almost 1,500 now. And I have not played even a fourth of those. Yeah, that's a, that's a big... I've had friends who are like, oh, I don't want to get a PC uh, because, you know, that's another thing that I have to buy for. And I'm like, at this point now, I'm like, friend, they're giving away games like every two <laughs> days. You do not... If you need... Like, if you're like very particular, you're like, I just want this genre or something, then yeah, maybe you're a little screwed. But if you just... If you're an eclectic gamer and you can go for anything, like PC gamers are set. And that's where that yeah. question definitely goes then more towards the content base, right? Is it a game that... I already know I'm going to like or from a developer that I like or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you are if you are a uh, 
a press for money kind of person like gamer uh pc gaming is absolutely the way to go um you can get games for so cheap this is a common trope though right where where it's it's cost and time either are either you know the the limiter uh, from going from youth to adult or working or having children or anything right we we see that all the time on social media and and to the various people that we talk to um so i'm also more interested in or i am interested in in hearing more about the the editorial decisions that we make to the games that we're going to play uh for example i'm thinking of something like upcoming releases right do we get excited mm. for games that we know that we're going to love? Cyberpunk is coming out. Everybody is planning to play Cyberpunk. It's the next AAA game. A lot of people are like that, right? The next Sony yeah. game that comes out, I'm going to play that one or, or whatever it is. Um, for me, it's it's even you can take it at an, at an indie level. I'm thinking of something like The Binding of Isaac Repentance, which is the DLC that's coming out. I've put so much time into The Binding of Isaac. It's like anything that Edmund McMillan does at this point is like he's got my money. You know, my investment into the developers there. Um, and obviously, that's not a healthy relationship. Uh, if, if a developer does you wrong, you shouldn't necessarily stick around forever. But if you're someone like Supergiant or a yeah. CD Projekt does well with Cyberpunk, if you're someone like them and you know mm -hmm. that your money is safe with this company that's going to do well by you, um, that's that's another route of taking it, I think. Yeah, I I am one. I'm a person who's very against pre-ordering games just in general. I think you should always wait and see how things go. Um, but yeah, there's developers that I am a huge fan of. Lucas Pope is one now, like after Papers, Please and yep. Return of the Obra Dinn in particular. I'm very excited for anything he's coming out with. Um, and then, uh, God, Sam Barlow, uh, who did uh, Her Story and Telling Lies yes. more recently. Like, I've loved those games and I'm very excited for that. Um, I don't think there's anything to be... Uh, ashamed of in those like kind of fan relationships but you sh yeah you shouldn't be like just throwing money at somebody no matter what it, like i don't recommend pre-ordering their stuff still just just wait till it comes out <laughs> and you know pre-order bonuses are pretty much never worth it yeah ever <laughs> there, there's something to be said like i i've always been the same as well like stop pre-ordering um in in one sense in the macro sense of like an industrial or, or like a systemic way like if we normalize the no no longer pre-ordering then that's a healthier thing for the industry um on the other hand though i, I kind of go back to like hey if you got your if you spent five dollars on her story and then he's like hey i have a new game coming out it costs you know forty dollars if you thought the her story was worth forty five dollars then maybe it's worth pre-ordering just to support the developer for the previous game right like there's there's kind of some conversations to be had there too yeah i, I would say never spend money you're not willing to completely lose yeah so if you are going to pre-order sixty dollar game be prepared for that sixty dollar game to absolutely suck uh, as somebody who pre-ordered the deluxe edition of SimCity 2013, I can tell you very much I was not prepared to lose that $80. <laughs> <laughs> but oh boy, did I. <laughs> I think I played that once. Uh, there was, yeah, I could never get in past the servers. Anyway. Yeah, so sorry, you, I'm still bitter about it. Oh, that's a, it's a it's actually a really good topic, right? Like like now any future SimCity or from those developers or whatever, you're going to be a lot more cautious, right? And I think I uh, mean EA, yeah. I, I feel like well, if anybody yeah. is not cautious of EA in 2020, you are not paying attention. <laughs> now you got SimCity because you've liked previous SimCities. Yeah, yeah. I I loved the previous SimCity games. Um, I mean pretty much any of them that I got my hands on. And I think it came out at a time where I just really wanted a city builder also. 
Uh, I just, I don't know, something about that. I was just like, yes, absolutely. And the idea of multiplayer interconnected city builder was just, oh my gosh, it was everything I could ever hope for. And and then that game was garbage. And I, I there were lots of red flags. There were so many red flags. They were everywhere. And I was just, no, I really want a city builder. I don't know. I did so, that. I also pre-ordered Dragon, Dragon Age 2 when that game was awful. I don't know. I, I have a bad habit of pre-ordering games that wind up being bad i have a history of it so if i ever come on this this podcast and say i just pre-ordered this triple a game maybe you should like wait (laughs) (laughs) well this is important so you know there's a lot of this pre expectations right there's a lot of excitement and we know what the developer has done before there's also the other aspect which is hey how did the game review right if i'm deciding on what i want to play you know i i very rarely purchase any games outright these time these days i either wait for it to come to game pass or i uh borrow it from a friend or something like it's very rare that i'm like $30, $60, here you go, here's my money. Um, But it happened this year with Hades because that game was talked about for a really long time in early access and was talked about for a really long time after it came out extremely uh, well-praised and liked and everything. And then I saw gameplay footage and I was like, okay, this is it, it's time to spend my money. That's how I decided to to spend that game is because everybody loved it. Yeah, so I mean, that's another one, like recommendations. I know recommendations mean a lot to me. I will play a game if, if somebody I... I know their tastes and I usually like what they like. Uh, If they recommend a game to me, I will probably try it pretty soon. Mm. Uh, And like Hades, you you were talking about Hades. Everyone was talking about Hades. Yeah, I 100% bought Hades because everyone was talking about it. Yeah, I, I have a similar thing. You um, And even with the Game Pass, it comes in handy. You said that like Night in the Woods was one of your favorite games of all time. And that's a game that as I was scrolling through, I would have just scrolled past. You know, I wouldn't have given it a second thought. Not to, you know, like I, I do try to give every indie its own due diligence. But, uh, you know, there's so many games on there that it's you, you, you yeah. scroll past everything. Um, but now it's installed on my machine. It's, it's ready to be played. Cause I know that you loved it so much. And I was like, okay, that's it. Recommendation, easy choice that, that takes, again, that takes that process of like, oh no, what do I play and go, oh, this person liked it. I probably want to talk about it with them. Let's, uh, let's install it and play it. Yeah. Just be ready for like narrative, heavy, heavy gameplay. It's, uh, oh, I love that game. I don't want to say anything more about it. I just okay. love it. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, I, I mean, on top of that, too, that recommendation thing, I do think it's also relevant. I, I don't know how much this kind of plays into my psychology. I don't know if it plays into yours. Um, but being part of the conversation, you know, the the zeitgeist of, of culture, yeah. you know, Hades was very much that. Uh, I played it a lot based on recommendation, but also I just kind of wanted to be involved with what everybody was talking about. Um, I saw so many people talking about it online, just kind of wanted to be a part of yeah. that, you know? I wanted to be on our, our TGO roundtable talking about Hades. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before we hit the record button. Um, I, growing up and, and even now, I've always been the person that was lagging behind on media, right? On not just video games, but on movies and on television and everything. Um, I was always out of that cultural zeitgeist and, and, and the, the conversation that's been happening. And with the observer, that kind of had to shift, right? I'm, I'm creating a new show every single day, so I have to know what's coming up. I have to know what's going on. And the people who are listening want to know how a game is received, right? So I do a lot of review reading, and, and I would always prefer to give my own opinion about a game instead of just saying, you know, reading everybody else's opinion and saying, 
here's what I think the game is. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I'm like, yes, I would really love to, uh, always kind of be in that conversation at the same time, probably a little expensive to do that for every game. So you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, where you're going to do that. Yeah. And that can be really stressful. Like I know not, not even just because of money, but also because of just time, you know, it's like what happens when uh, November comes around and, you know, several yeah. hundred hour games come out. I mean, Assassin's Creed Valhalla just came out and I know that a lot of people are talking about that, but we got Cyberpunk coming out in a couple of weeks. Like, what if you didn't finish Valhalla by the time Cyberpunk comes yeah. out? You know, the conversation's going to shift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's always a weird balancing act. And I, I respect uh, games journalists that have to deal with that on a day to day basis. That's. Oh, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know about that. It, it's something I've thought about actually quite a bit because of thinking about the Observer and how it's going to grow and stuff. Like, I, I really like you handling a lot of the reviews for the Observer because I feel like you're much better about talking about these games than I am. And it means I'm left out on some, again, out of that conversation and not being able to experience for myself. But I almost prefer it that way. Um, I like this idea of having multiple people that I can go to and say, hey, or play this game. And that's what a lot of these outlets can do. Uh, I feel bad for these influencers who have dark souls and yeah. valhalla and everything and you're just a one person team coming in and saying here's all these games got to choose one of them yeah and it's it's weird to uh it's weird to have eclectic tastes and try and be uh an influencer or streamer or something yeah. i know i've been doing some streaming and i've been doing a lot of balancing and, and trying to figure out because i'm really into retro stuff and weird indie games and those are absolutely not <laughs> bringing viewers and uh, and I have like some YouTube channels that I follow that are all about retro games that stream weird stuff and seeing what they do to bring people in. And a lot of times you have to do other stuff. And then the streaming is secondary just because of that. And it's it's weird. It's like, do I do I forego playing the game I want to play because, you know, everyone else is playing Among Us? Should I just go and play Among Us because right. everyone else is doing it? And then what if I want to keep playing Among Us and everybody else has switched over to Phasmophobia or whatever other game is out at the time? And I just I just want to keep playing Among Us forever and ever. (laughs) Like, it's a weird balancing act. That's a that's a good point. We were just talking about games that are in the conversation. and We totally failed to mention Among Us, Phasmophobia, uh, (laughs) Animal Crossing, right? Like these games that just took the world by storm. Uh, not even just in like like you, there's kind of this pressure from like family who are playing this games who aren't gamers but are like oh what's this Among Us or or they're playing Among Us for the first time and you're like mm-hmm. I'm the gamer and I'm I, and you're the one playing Among Us you're the one playing Animal Crossing like that's that's like a weird paradoxical uh, situation that you guys are in now I got to play Among mm-hmm. Us right if my grandma is playing it or whatever right um, so yeah. I think it's a I think that's a definitely an interesting conversation yeah like I mean you've played Among Us by now right. I, I have not touched you Among have not. Us. Okay, no. so you're still at that point. Yeah. yeah. No, I know I I played it because some other people were like, you need to join our game now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it, I was not the I was not the tastemaker, even though a lot of times people will be like, what's a, you know, I heard about this game. Is this good? And yeah, the most popular stuff. I'm like, oh, I've never touched it. I've still never played Fortnite ever. Yeah. Um, Even though I, before Fortnite came out, I was specifically wanting a Hunger Games kind of game, like, you know, Battle Royale. Yeah. Um, and and then Fortnite came out, and I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair <So>. enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and there's definitely, like, in kind of in that same line, like, there's something to be said about, hey, other friends are playing these games, so I'm going to go play it with them, 
right? Uh, things like Minecraft, well, not Minecraft, uh, you know, Fortnite or Among Us or whatever. Like, I'm, I, I haven't touched Among Us, not because there aren't people that don't want to play with or that want to play with me, but um, because, you know, I just haven't had that specific moment where I'm like, okay, other people are playing this and now it's time for me to play this. I think a lot of the yeah. times we end up playing games because that's just what our friends are playing, right? A lot of people play yeah. GTA Online or Call of Duty or whatever because every single week they get together with their three friends or three plus friends and say, hey, we're going to play the most popular game. Yeah. I mean, we never probably would have finished uh, Divinity Original Sin. Yeah. That like, would... If it weren't for the fact that we were both getting together and playing it every week. That's a very good point. Yeah, like that was a game that was always sitting there. And the uh, like, I, I always knew that I was like, okay, I'm not going to play this on my own because I know I'm not going to finish it. But I want to be able to appreciate it. So I'm going to wait for somebody to come around. And then you came around. And I was like, I wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Easy choice, right? That was like sitting there waiting in the wings to come. And then as soon as another person gave me that incentive, easy choice. Yeah. Well, and there are games like Among Us or Phasmophobia that you're not going to play by yourself. Like you just... Yeah. You, yeah, I mean, I guess you could play with random people, but honestly, neither of those <laughs> games. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. Uh, yeah. I would not want to play with just random people in either of those games. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a yeah, it's a weird thing. And I, I know there's series that I started playing back uh, back in high school and stuff just because friends were playing it. I still to this day really like the Dynasty Warriors games, not because they are very technically good mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but because i played dynasty warriors 3 with a friend of mine just all the time we played co-op and so i have fond memories of those games um and yeah i mean dragon guard that was what got me into that was because it's very much the same gameplay as uh as dynasty warriors yeah so we play a lot of games that just our friends are playing yeah that's that i mean that's what uh even growing up right like i think a lot of our gaming uh experiences or influences or the things that we like is because of the games that we played with our friends as when we were younger right uh we I, my very best friend of my whole life uh him and i played a lot of halo when we were kids right that was the game that we had and we did a lot of 1v1s on on those small halo maps and um now we're 22 years old and and halo master chief collections on the game pass and we've returned to that right that was a really yeah. easy easy choice for us because we're like okay we're gonna start playing games let's go to where we started and it turns out, you know, I talked about it on the show. The the first Halo wasn't our favorite. We've moved to Halo 2. Um, but, uh, yeah, once we finish that up, we're going to move to something else. And we played a lot of Minecraft, and we're playing Minecraft right now. Like, there's a lot of this formation of, like, we, we had these experiences as kids, especially in Minecraft. We we're playing Minecraft, and then we're like, oh, you remember when this happened when we were, like, 12 or whatever? And we'll just laugh about it. Like, th these, these things that just stay with you, for sure yeah nostalgia man nostalgia is a powerful powerful thing um and i mean you see games now full games that are entirely based around selling you nostalgia you have stuff like uh like new blood interactives games like dusk and uh a medieval which are all uh gloomhaven is one that's kind of been in the news recently but um these are all based around reminding you of previous games i mean not they're all great for what it's worth i love absolutely love their games but um but like a big part of it is like, hey, this is like Doom or Gloomhaven is like Thief. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, that that's a powerful thing for a lot of folks. Um, or even uh, all of these remasters and remakes that are coming out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw uh, Square Enix just announced, I think today uh, that they're making a Saga Frontiers remaster. Oh, OK. Which I was like, wow, they are 
scraping the bottom of the barrel here for remasters. Like, not that that's a bad game, but just, like, whoever would have thought, you know, 10 years ago that we'd be remastering Saga Frontiers. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really been, like, a, a big trend of the last couple of years, right? And it's it's obviously proved its worth. Like, Final Fantasy yeah. VII Remake is one of the best-selling games this oh, yeah. year, and so many of these games that are that are coming out that are... Uh, created on pre-established relationships with their consumers um, that they're kind of poking you again. And they're saying, hey, you want to play this game? And then the person saying is, I loved Final Fantasy VII. I mean, that was kind of a different situation. It was a cultural icon. Everybody was begging for it. But, you know, other games that maybe you haven't thought about in a while or whatever, Command & Conquer Remastered, these games yeah. that have been around and then they're poking that. They're saying, hey, remember this really great game that you played? Come play it again, you know? Man, in that case, Command and Conquer, if they're saying, like, remember this great game you played? <laughs> nope. Was it <laughs> try, not good? try going back. Try going back and playing the original Command and Conquer yeah. now. It is painful to play. Like, but, like back I, then, I though. I love those games, but... Huh? Like, back then, though, when you when you were playing Command and Conquer yeah. for the first time, it was wonderful. And then they said, hey, here's a remaster with uh, everything fixed, you know? I, I guess. Yeah, with a right click. I mean, that's yeah. imagine playing an RTS these days and only having one mouse button. Oh, my gosh. I think all of them before like Red Alert 2 are unplayable these days. So there, I guess remastered that, good. <laughs> that's what it did, right? Like they created these yeah. remasters in collaboration with the communities as well, right? These people who were actually keeping these older games alive that were unplayable, but then they modded it or they fixed it and, and whatever it was. And then they said, OK, now let's make a remaster and let's. Uh, give the people the reason to play this game again where they yeah. absolutely absolutely wouldn't because it's broken in in the original version yeah no that's fair hey you wrote here something on our uh our skeleton outline here about choice paralysis and i do think that's really relevant today especially with with the amount of games we were talking about how easy it is to get pc games in particular um but like choice paralysis is absolutely something i know i experience yeah, I mean, that's kind of the instigation of this show. This is why we're talking about it today. I, I had Skate 3 done, you know, I, I kind of put it ready, put it in its own slot. And then I was like, what next? And uh, I chose Devil May Cry 5 because it was already installed on the machine. But now I can't do that. So then I'm like, what next? Uh, I'm scrolling through. I, you have no idea how many times I've scrolled through the Game Pass library being like, okay, what am I going to play? And I scroll and I scroll and at the I get to Zed and then I'm like, I didn't make a decision. Uh, and that used to happen all the time with with the backlog, right? With these games that we've that we know are well received, we know we want to play at some point. But do I want to play it today? And then you think about that for long enough, and then you're like, oh no, the one hour that I had to game today is gone. I uh, guess I'll try again <laughs> next time. Yeah, it's a very real thing. Yeah, yeah. For for folks who maybe don't know about that, choice paralysis is an actual very real like human psychology thing where. Um, if you have like two choices, you are more likely to make a choice than if you have 10. Yeah. Um, if you have 10, you're more likely to just like walk away <laughs> and do nothing. And yeah, I mean, if you have game pass or if you do have a big steam library, I'm sure anyone listening is, has experienced that where they're just like, okay, I got to find something to play. And you're like scrolling through your library and you're like, I'm going to go read a book, <laughs> like, you know, there do something else because it's, it's actually taxing on your brain to come up with a choice. <laughs> We can take those scientific experiments one step further. Um, they did mm -hmm. this. The, the, I don't know if this is a popular one. Or I just remember reading it. But uh, they did this thing where they're like, okay, here's the scented candles, right? And they're like, here's five scented candles. Choose one. 
and then but you don't know what it smells like you just know the name and so then the person would choose their candle and then they'd light it and they'd smell it and then they would ask them are you satisfied with your choice are you happy that you chose this one that you could take home and most of the time they said yes uh and then they went to the other people and they said here's a hundred scented candles choose one (laughs) And so somebody would choose one, light it, and then when they smelled it, they were less likely to to be happy with the choice that they made because look at all of these other options that are out there. That happens yeah. all the time with me. I choose a game, and I'm like, yeah. could I be having more fun with one of the other <laughs> hundreds of games that I own instead of just being like, hey, I'm having a good time. Let's just keep it rolling. I feel like there's a some like South Park episode or something about that. Like, could I be having more fun? I am liking this, but <laughs> that's what that isn't that wild, right? Like we, we th- so many gamers, at yeah. least o- online, do this thing that's like cost benefit where it's like, oh, I technically paid like three dollars an hour for this game. So was that worth it? And then I'm not going to play any game that's, uh, you know, more than five dollars an hour or something. like. It's like how, how much engagement you get out of the game results in a very real direct price. And that that's such a like that that's such a direct result of over having this choice paralysis right yeah i i gotta say i don't want to judge anybody who who does operate that way like i know there are people who have to make every dollar count like sure and and i you know i do respect that uh and there are games i'd i'd recommend to folks that'll you know last a really long time but man i gotta say i i don't like especially critically assessing games that way yeah based on how many hours you spent with them. Cause like there's, there's games like, um, I don't know. I, I will, I will use Skyrim as an example. I have spent hundreds of hours in Skyrim and I have really liked it, but I wouldn't say any of those hours were more meaningful than like the two I put into what remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, I just, I just don't, uh, I don't know. You don't judge a movie based on how long it is. <laughs> I just, uh, I just don't. Anyway, anyway, I can tell you that is absolutely not. I'm actually more likely to play a game that's shorter than longer because I'm more likely to finish it. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Um, Mm. The the last thing I will say that has kind of maybe we can kind of turn this into a more of like, how do we help this choice paralysis? Right. How do we help uh, get get into a mindset of of, uh, choosing the right game or whatever it is? Uh, the thing that's that's really helped for me is I've I've kind of positioned a lot of what I do into like these slots of like if you're the type of gamer that can play multiple games at once and, and have multiple things going on. Um, I always have like constant games and then like the the primary game that I'm going to play. So the constants of my life right now are Slay the Spire, Minecraft, uh, The Binding of Isaac, right? These are games that can be played all the time and, and over and over and not... Um, you're not you're not worried about like you could finish at any time and be like good i'm satisfied with that i can move on to another constant um whereas at the same time then i have a game like the witcher 3 which is what i'm playing right now and once that is done i'm moving on to another game that i'm going to just focus on until i'm done with it it doesn't have to be you know till the story is done or anything like that and in that Mm -hmm. way i've always had a game that i'm satisfied with kind of always around that i can default to when i can say "Um, i don't know what the next game i'm going to play is so i'm just going to play slay the spire again um, and that's an easy choice for me to make. Um, so I found that that's one easy thing for me to do. Uh, I don't know. What about you? I'm I'm still in the process of figuring it out, honestly. Oh, yeah? um, there's so much whim uh, in my choice of just like I have to assess where I'm at mentally. 
Um, you know, because nine times out of ten, if I'm really thinking like, okay, I'm going to what next? What game am I going to play next? I'm not going to go back to something like Skyrim or Stardew Valley. But sometimes mentally, that's exactly what I need to yeah. do. Um, so I think right now it's it's at a very different place than I normally am at. Um, but yeah, I, 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 God, I don't know. I, <laughs> I said that like I had some profound thought, uh, and I don't, I don't have okay. an answer to that. I really don't. If somebody has an answer, tell me. <laughs> I think like if somebody can help me, help me. <laughs> and I think we can um, both agree that it's like what's most important is that you're just having fun with it, right? Like it, yeah. you, you should never be forcing yourself through. There's a lot of mentality of like I have to finish this game because I paid for it or or whatever it is. And instead, uh, move more towards just having fun with video games. That that should be the priority. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not if you're not enjoying something, um yeah don't stick with it there's so many other good things out there like there's no reason to just force yourself through a game that you hate i guess unless you have a youtube channel or something then you have to you have to play it too bad for you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i do think one thing that helps um is if that kind of gets to you a lot if that decision paralysis that choice paralysis really gets to you um maybe stay away from things like humble bundle (laughs) as much as i love humble bundles and absolutely do it myself um increasing your steam library or whatever is not going to make that any easier for you and maybe it'd be you know if it's a great deal to get you know eight games for 12 bucks but if you don't wind up playing any of those games then you just spent 12 bucks on nothing so Maybe it would be better to save your money for something that you do actually really want to play in the immediate. Um, and and so for that, I would say maybe think about what it is you want to play and then find the game that matches that rather than trying to go the other way around. Um, like getting a bunch of games and being like, well, I have to have something that I will like. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that's... Uh... That's a, a really good point. Don't don't just look at a bundle especially and be like, oh, there's so many games, it's so worth it. Because most of the mm-hmm. time, I think you only ever end up playing one or two of the games. I think I think it is really healthy to say, there, like, I am specifically seeking out one or two games that I am hoping that I'm going to like, because you never know if you're really yeah. going to like it. But um, yeah, and then in that way, it's, it's a little bit more reliable. Yeah, so... I, I think you just everybody has to kind of figure out what works for them and absolutely like do mental check ins. If you are not enjoying what you're doing or if it's even causing you stress, yeah. if the idea we were talking way at the beginning of this, like if the idea of a backlog is sometimes really unhealthy, I, I kind of laugh at my backlog. I kind of think it's a it's a funny thing. And I, I do like using that term, but it's it's something that gives me joy, not pain. And I know that there are people who stress out because they have like, you know, 10, 20, 100 games in their backlog. And they're like, like, I just I got to find time to play all these, but I have to play Cyberpunk next. Like, if you are stressing out about it, stop, like, just stop um, <laughs> and don't play games just to get through your backlog. Like, if, if you find yourself in that mindset, and I know I have before of like, I have to just complete some games. I will force myself to play a game I've already played because it forces me to not think that way. Um, You know, I will play a Skyrim or a Stardew Valley just because I know they're chill, they're relaxing, and it's not getting me through anything. It's not 
um, productive in any way, shape, or form, and I need to stop thinking like I need to be productive. There you go, folks. I think that's a I think that's a great note to uh, to finish that segment off on. Um, yeah, have fun with the games that you're playing. That's that's always what it boils down to. I think no matter what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Moving away from that now, let's let's just we're gonna try this new thing where instead of just rambling off all the video games that we've been playing, uh, we're we're gonna move on to uh, just talking about another thing. We're each gonna get one more opportunity to bring up another thing that we're gonna riff on, uh, which maybe isn't as long as the first segment, but will allow us to uh, talk about some a various amount of things. So, uh, can I start with mine? Yeah. Okay. Please do. Uh, I have never been someone who has skateboarded. Um. It's just what, you know, I didn't have friends who skateboarded when I saw the people skateboarding when I was a kid. I was like, that's a weird thing. Um, I was never like really into it. But for some reason, I have played pretty much all of the skateboarding games. Uh, Okay, I shouldn't say that. But I've played a lot more than you would expect for somebody who has not skateboarded. Um, So obviously the the go-to that everyone loves, Tony Hawk, right? Tony Hawk Underground 2, that was probably one of the first ones. Uh, Skate 3, I've talked about a lot. I played a lot as a teenager. You might remember an indie game called Ollie Ollie, um, which is more of an arcadey side-scrolling, you know, you're you're trying to pull off very specific combos uh, to get the highest score and get all the challenges done and stuff like that. Um, There's Ollie Ollie and Ollie Ollie 2. And then there's a game on my phone called True Skate, which I swear to you, I have been playing for like seven years straight where it is it is like my all i've never really talked about it but it is my ultimate mindless game i i go on here it has been a single very tiny map with my skateboard and i just do these tricks and skate around constantly um and this is a game that i've had like since high school since like shelby and i were just friends and her and i would be in like tim hortons uh talking having a, a coffee and i would be like playing this phone as like my distraction because i needed to do something while i was talking to people back then and i was like i've been playing this game for so long but i've never been a skateboarder so i don't know it's it's a weird thing i i just wanted to kind of throw this out there because i never really have i think uh i love skateboarding games i'm playing skate 3 right now it's a lot of fun i've never skateboarded I was really hoping that story was going to end with you just bought a skateboard. Ah, uh, that would have been outside. Wouldn't that have been? I would have pulled up the skateboard. I would have shown it off on yep. the camera. Been <laughs> like, now is my time. <laughs> yes, we're quitting the podcast, dude. I'm going to be a pro <laughs> skateboarder now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. All, have you ever? Have you ever interfaced with that? Enter with skateboards. Yeah, skateboarding. I, I did. It wound up with my face interfacing yeah. with the cement. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. I I had a buddy when I was really young, uh, who's really into extreme sports. Still is. Uh, I think he actually, uh, I think he went into snowboard designing. Um, but yeah, big. He was always into that stuff. Like that. Uh, that '90s show, the Nickelodeon show, Rocket Power. Like that was his life, basically. Right. Um. And I, you know, here I am, like nerdy video game kid, and we were, we were really good friends, mainly out of uh, proximity. Like okay. we lived right next to each other, um, and I, I still don't know how that friendship lasted as long as it did. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I would try stuff. I would just try out like the skateboarding and the, um, the you know BMX biking and and stuff and I was awful at all of it. I was so bad. Every time I'd go over there, I'd wind up with bruises and scrapes. One time I had to be shipped out in an ambulance because I jumped down a staircase. That's a whole other story. But uh 
Yeah, I was just terrible at everything. So yes, uh, I never, I never feel a desire to get back on a skateboard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I had similar things. Like, like we had a skate park nearby, like near my house, and they actually mm. had. Um, so okay, so I can't say the name of it, but it's pretty funny. But basically, it used to be a, a garbage dump. And then they turned it into a giant hill that you could sled down in the winter. So, like, they put grass on it and basically covered the garbage. Um, and <laughs> yep, then, yep. And, uh, and that ended up also turning into, like, a bike hill. So people with bikes would go down and with these giant jumps and stuff. And then off to the side, they had a skate park. And so that became, like, a hub of activity during my preteen years. And you'd think that would be perfect for me. It was perfect for all of my friends. They all hung out there. And I swear to God, every time I went down that hill, my heart was pumping. And any time I fell, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I had a very similar experience. So yeah, it's weird. I've had, and like, I used to play SSX, like the snowboarding games and yep. stuff. Like I, I love these extreme sports games, but in real life, no affinity, no, no predilection. And that's how I am too. Yeah. My first game for the Sega Dreamcast was a snowboarding game called Rip and Riders. Uh, I, for like the one person listening to this that remembers Rip and Riders, like, yeah. Um, it was, ssx but worse in every single way okay but yeah i love those i love those games i bought a bunch of those knockoff bmx and you know those tony hawk wannabes back when yep. that was a thing um you know i got one for razor scooters i remember ah. getting a game uh it was like pro razor scooter or something it was <laughs> awful it's just awful um well, yeah they... no i'm with you those those extreme sports games are great well, that's that's uh, that's my thing. I wanted to get that off my chest because I, I was kind of reflecting on like, why, why, why have I played these skate games for so long? You know, like th this, th the true skate on my phone is like literally a daily occurrence for me. Anytime I'm done with Twitter, I just go to my skateboarding game. And that's how I, you know, think about the world is so I can, you know, do something. But anyway, uh, yeah, what do you yeah. got for me? What do you what do you have going on? I have been um, I've actually been watching a lot of Netflix and stuff recently um i just watched queen's gambit uh, uh which is that chess show yes i i haven't show... seen it but i hear a lot of people talking about it i want to watch it it was interesting it was really interesting like it's it's uh it's one of the shows that got like 100 percent rotten tomato score everyone's just like absolutely gaga over it and it is it is very very good i don't think it's perfect there's absolutely some issues i had with it yeah. but um it's it's interesting i love that we are in an era where creators can just like make these random things that are random lengths you know it's like queen's gambit it's a seven episode limited series uh the episodes range from like 38 minutes to like 90 minutes wow. and yeah they'll just you know whatever whatever fits the story i yeah. guess I kind of love that we're in this state where people can do that. You know, we're no longer constrained by um, by like artificial time limits, you know, season lengths. Um, you know, filler is just going to be a thing of the past. You know, filler episodes on network TV. That's just going to be a weird artifact from a previous time. Yeah, well, we were just talking about that with the games too, right? Like so, so many yeah. games, like we're moving now towards developers who can reliably be more experimental with their games. Yeah, I mean, it used to be you're, you know, you're totally right. They used to have a big issue way back uh, in like the early '90s and whatnot, where you know there were space constraints, so games can only be so yeah. long. 
And because of things like Blockbuster, where people could go and rent games, they would rent a game, finish it, and then return it and never, you know, buy it or anything because they were done with it. Mm. So, so many, you know, people talk about why aren't games as difficult as they were in retro days? Well, in retro days, like SNES and Genesis and previous, they made them so friggin' hard so that you couldn't finish it in a rental period. That was literally what developers were told to do. Right. There, you know, Castlevania was one that they were literally told they have to make it hard so kids can't finish it. Like, that was the whole point. Right. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, that's very much like that filler, right? You have to make the game long enough to be justified. Uh, you know, I've heard about Steam developers who make their games, you know, more than like three hours so that people can't just refund it after the fact. Um, well, okay. yeah, I just it is dying and I hope it dies off. Let me games ask you this. Be as long as they need to be. Uh, have you played? Are you a chess player? No, I'm awful. Yeah, you're awful. So you don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> uh no too. i i i like i like chess fine uh i i played <laughs> i worked as a as a kids club coordinator for a while and i had a kid in my club who was the state champ uh of chess in fifth like the fifth grade come his on age range. really yeah yeah no and he was really good it was funny you'd never guess it by looking at him or talking to him but yeah he was really good at chess and i used to love playing against him because i'm just awful <laughs> And he'd slaughter me every time. And it was funny, this tiny little, tiny little fifth grader just butchering me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah there, there's been this resurgence in chess, at least in the online community over the past couple of years. People streaming it on Twitch and chess.com got really popular and stuff like that. Really? Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. I heard I heard Queen's Gambit. There was a big increase of sales after that came out. Yeah, I, I like I've kind of on the periphery have been getting into chess a little bit just because of those those streamers playing it. And I'm like watching the high level play, but they're also like explaining it while they do it. Whereas most of the time, if you just watch a random chess game and they're playing, you have no idea, you know, what's going yeah. on. But the streamers need to fill content so they'll explain what's going on. You know, this is why I'm doing this. And I find that fascinating. Like watching the people who are really good at what they do is, is a cool thing. I mean, that's like a like a games done quick thing, right? You know, yeah. when they have a good commentators talking about the speed run, yeah. it doesn't matter if you've never played the game before. It's fascinating watching them like and listening to them talk about what it is they're doing. Um, yeah, I always think that's what makes a good GDQ run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I've just been uh, I've just been watching a lot of stuff on on Netflix and HBO. We got a one of those Amazon Fire TV cubes. I think that's what it's called. OK, um, but, uh, you know, with with my wife being pregnant and whatnot, we're going to have the kid. She's going to be um, uh, mostly stay at home. So I wanted to get her something that she could voice control the, the TV with. Uh, so we got one of those TV cubes um, so she can she can just tell the TV to turn on and watch whatever. Nice. Um, and so we've been playing around with that. We've been getting a bunch of things through that and, and just watching on streaming devices we didn't have before streaming services. Um, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Just been watching a lot of movies and anime and stuff. <laughs> really good. Okay, cool. Well, uh, folks, that's, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you like the new format. We're going to try and stick with this where uh, instead of just, you know, going, hey, we're going to talk about whatever this week, uh, we're going to try to make a concerted effort to say there's an interesting topic and we're going to talk about it this week, uh, whether that's news or an interview with somebody or another TGO roundtable or something like that. Uh, just just kind of going, hey, TGO radio is an hour long and we're going to do something in that hour that's really interesting. So uh, we're going to move forward with that. Uh, anyway, folks, that's
that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, happy gaming, everyone. Happy gaming, everyone.